Greetings. Welcome to Space Court. Interested in talking about the Enneagram? The Enneagram. 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 The Enneagram. The Enneagram. You got it. Interested in learning more about the Enneagram. Space Court. Space Court. We invite you to join us as we learn about the Enneagram. Your hostess on this voyage is Enneagram 8. Rachel. Cancer Sun. Cancer Moon. Gemini Rising. Interested in learning more about the Enneagram. And I'm here with three individuals that are very well versed in it. Yeah, we, we like to so. say. Yeah, I mean, we've done some trainings. <laughs> so yeah, let's just start with what it is. The Enneagram is kind of an ancient spiritual tool of self-discovery. How do you even boil it down? There's so much to start. it. We would like to introduce you to Enneagram 9. Mad. Gemini Sun. Pisces Moon. Unknown Rising. It is more than some of the typologies that you see today, like MBTI and Strengths Finder. It kind of tells you the good and the bad um, about humanity, if you will. We would like to introduce you to Enneagram 7. Dr. Jorge. Aries Sun. Pisces Moon. Maybe. Cancer Rising. The way I learned it is also the essence of what makes up your personality. So your personality is sort of the outer you, and the essence is sort of what drives the motivation for becoming who you are. So I think that Enneagram touches a lot on the essence of what it means to be you, which is then a reflection of your personality, which is like your outer shell. We would like to introduce you to Enneagram 3. Monica, Taurus Sun, Pisces Moon, maybe Scorpio Rising. And it's an oral tradition, so this is not something that you can really take a quick assessment online, kind of a well, test. You, I mean, you, you can. People there are those. There are place. them. Yeah. But I think what's so rich about it is that you really need to discern for yourself mm -hmm. the way in which you are approaching the world based upon like your motivations. I can't really for someone else like say, why do you, you know, I can, I can see your actions, but I think that's what's so rich about it is because the way in which I learned it is sitting through a nine hour seminar of sorts you know she's a storyteller so she's kind of like infusing these personal situations it's this long-standing deeply rooted self-reflection tool 
there are nine different numbers that one could be identified with or one could identify with which when you just hear that can make it sound limiting um, but there's like a ton of nuance the more you study it and learn about it as I think all of us would kind of attest to but yeah so it has like Monica said it has like these oral tradition roots going back into supposedly what we've been told is like ancient times although there is no record like, re or... there's no record there's no because it was always passed down from person to person there's really no science behind it like it's just something that like you either believe in or you don't you find validation in or you don't and it really wasn't until like the 70s that people started putting pen to paper and writing about it so you see mm -hmm. some books emerge in the late 20th century and then even obviously now it's like starting to blow up in popularity yeah so we don't really know a lot about its origins mm. so how did you learn about it did you all learn about it at the same time so we all were a part of campus living and learning which is like residential housing and living learning programs community building so we all directed some sort of community at baylor university and i would say to farther contextualize it it appears to me that it's very popular amongst faith communities because of going back to what matt said there is a spiritual component to it of self-exploration that allows you to dig deeper into your own spirituality whatever that might be so i have noticed a pattern that the places where it really takes off or gets more becomes more popular is at faith-based communities because i think people like to have additional tools for reflection about their own spirituality. So that's how I was also introduced at a different university that was also faith-based through a particular person who's now, her name is Annie Diamond, who's now a the coach gym. or a master or she does this sort of work. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to contextualize because I do think that, and Richard Rohr, who's also a Catholic priest, who has a retreat center in New Mexico or something. Mm -hmm. um, center for Action and Contemplation. That one, yeah. And he's written a book, too. And I, I do know that a lot of people that do Enneagram work draw from him. So if you're interested in Enneagram work, Richard Rohr, R-O-H-R, and mm -hmm. Suzanne Stabile. Mm -hmm. I'll just add on, too. So I think some of it, depending upon, the, like, those authors are... A little bit more explicitly Christian, mm -hmm. although enter it in a very non-threatening way, I would say. But there are books and resources that are more based in psychology. So there's different, I don't want to say different versions of the Enneagram because it's all like based in the same concepts, but it can be presented in mm -hmm. different ways. And I think it's now grown in its audience. But even today, I actually heard it on NPR. I was like, whoa, this idea of Enneagram. And they were talking about this like uh, meditation, kind of more just kind of like broadly speaking about like mindfulness and something like that. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's just gained a lot of traction because it really can be a mirror that you see yourself for the first time and like gives you language to, to speak about things that you only really know about yourself and it helps you like view people in such a different way so I think it's really become a thing mm -hmm. 
So you originally found out about it through the Baylor group, had your mm-hmm. resistance. What was your breaking point? Yeah, I mean, I think like anyone, it's like you want to be in the cool crowd. You want to know what everyone's talking about. And Suzanne, the stabile, this woman, uh, she came to Baylor and she was doing these know your number sessions, these three days, two or three days. It was, yeah, I think two days. So she would do like um, four numbers the first day, five numbers, and you would just sit there and each number would have like 30 or 45 minutes of just kind of like explanation she would infuse like anecdotal you know whatever stories things like that um there'd be time for questions and she'd like move on to the next number and and over the course of these nine hours you know you kind of start hearing certain things and you're like oh i kind of i think i know someone like that oh wait is maybe that's why they do that you know you start like rehearsing this stuff in your mind and then all of a sudden she starts talking and you're like, oh my gosh, like she's looking at like my dirty laundry kind of thing. Like, wh- how are you in my head right now? You know? Mm-hmm. And that's, I think when I was like, oh, this isn't just like an MBTI myers you know, like this little thing anymore. This is like actually something that can challenge me to be a better person and to like love people in a deeper way you know like it it just became a lot more what monica was touching on i feel like there's two kinds of at least initial pieces to the enneagram is like learning about your number and what that means for you but then learning about the numbers of people that surround you and people that you love and how learning about them can make you a better friend partner whatever Mm -hmm. This was something that was implemented into training programs at Baylor University. Like it was a part of work. Still is. I don't think any of it was required. It was always optional. Opt-in. Workshops. There were workshops yeah. available to people that work there. And then they also became available to the Waco community. So I wouldn't say it's embedded in the training of their institution, which is mm-hmm. important to note because of, you know, official matters or whatever. But um, I think it was funded by a particular department that the Department of Spiritual Life that then opened it to the entire university but then because there was such a follow in the community and that became sort of a community event and so there were a lot of people from the Waco community that's where Baylor University is at mm-hmm. that will come regularly whenever Suzanne Seville would come and visit and do workshops okay so there's this initial like know your number thing Mm -hmm. and then there's what matt was alluding to which is like there's so many like nuances and different so she would come and then she would do these advanced enneagram workshops Mm -hmm. where you would come and you learn about triads you learn about wings you learn about enneagram and relationships there's more to it than just this idea of what's my number and what's other people's number. Although, you know, those are probably the first two initial avenues you want to go down. Well, I want to get into the dirt and find out your guys' numbers. But before we do that, can you touch more on some of the benefits of knowing about the anagram, using it, I guess, how you use this information? Like, how do you apply it? How has it changed your life? Basecourt has a self-imposed policy of keeping all of the episodes under 30 minutes. Therefore, 
this Enneagram episode is broken into two parts. We invite you to continue this voyage of Enneagram exploration in the next episode. Space Corps, Space Corps.